Welcome along to the final episode of Season 2 of LOI Weekly in which Johnny Ward, myself and Daniel MacDonald beside me are going to recap on the FAI Cup Final and we're going to also talk about the decider of the playoffs which will decide who's in the Premier Division next season and today we're joined for our final episode of Season 2 by Shane Supple, the Bohemians keeper and by Gerald Bryan of St. Patrick's Athletic. What, what is your actual title at Pats now, Ger? I'm not too sure myself, Johnny. Yeah, it's been a mad couple of weeks um, but you're now, you must be buzzing for the new season. Yeah, it's it's kind of all settled down. I'm um, obviously very disappointed when, when Liam left the club and then obviously having to step in for the last few games. But kind of relief it's all over now and we have a new manager in place and I think we can look forward to a, a long, long off-season. So what is your role though, seriously? What, <laughs> what would you describe it as? You're, well, I'm are you still director of the academy? or the Yeah, I'll be of director football? of football in the club and, and I'm just going to work with Harry in the first team next year as well. Okay. Bit of everything. Bit of everything, yeah, basically. Does the off-season kind of excite you now more so than other seasons? Because I guess the first start for Pats as well. A, a very first start considering how long Liam was there. Yeah, it's obviously something new. Um, and I think Harry's going to bring a lot of new ideas and a new philosophy as well, the way he wants to do things. So that's exciting. But as, as far as the underage goes, we're still very, very busy. You know, you've got to release players, sign players and, and stuff like that, make sure programmes are done. So it doesn't really stop for us. We, we, we generally keep going as staff in the off-season and it's kind of really only the players that kind of get that little bit of a rest. Yeah, yeah. it's just something we, 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 like we were briefly speaking about outside that there's been a lot of uh, like positive focus on the underage leagues in recent weeks. You know, the, the finals of 15s, 17s, 19s. But okay, under 19 level, I know it was the, the Bowes Rovers final, but that's the end of the road for some of these players. And how difficult is that process? Because you have a small bit of a relationship with some of these guys now. I know it's at the infancy still, these leagues, but is that a particularly difficult part, the lads who are maybe at the end of that cycle and where do they go from here? Yeah, it's something that we've all also flagged with the FAI and I think they will do something about it. It's unfortunate now because, as you said, the relationship that we probably have with somebody is for the last two or three seasons and you're bringing them through, you're helping with their development and they've matured into some really good players. The problem is, it's just, you probably have a bunch of 10, 11, 12 players ready to come out in 19s and it's just impossible to sign all these guys and give them contracts. Um, so you're kind of just... You're kind of just kind of saying, right, well, we take two or three of them in and then you're, you're trying to work with, talking to other managers. I've been on the phone for the last few days trying to speak to other managers in the force division. and kind to, of, to take them if To possible. try and take them on loan, maybe, if you're going to give them contracts or or maybe just take them in. And like A good example for us would have been Kieran Kelly last year. He would have went to Drotted and had a really good season, scored a lot of goals playing for Drotted. And he's one that I'm, I know a number of Premier Division clubs are looking to sign, sign this year. So... You know, these guys need to play, it's very difficult, but they also need to come out at 19s, you know, probably a little bit more mature, physically ready as well, which is something that probably the clubs have lacked in the last number of seasons and something that we all need to improve on. Is it harder with them guys or the lads who are like 12, 13, sort of 14, or just kids, but like must be pretty crushing for them as well when they mightn't make the step? <coughs> I remember talking to a mother of a kid who's gone to Rovers like seven, under sevens, I think, and they have to call players in for the under eights, and I was like, that's mm. pretty tough for a young lad. Yeah, we, we kind of work things a little bit differently. We'd, we'd spend a lot of time, like we could, we're on the 15 side that won the double this year, we would probably have 30 months of player ID done with that group. Uh, not one of them was released and not one of them will be released. So it works in different ways. It depends. We're in it for the long haul. It's not about just flip-flopping with players. You know, players will mature at different levels and develop at different levels. So we've got to take the good with the bad and these are the ones that we have given a commitment to and we, we're trying to keep it that way. Do you, do you keep half of your, your teams under 15 or half of them always eligible for the next year? Or do you do something like that? Not 15s, yeah. Generally we do 17. 9 and 9. Okay, so yeah. you'll always have 9 at the, at the one age group and come in with 9 younger ones and that's the way it works. But this, age, this 15s age group, because it was such new, that there was no tortillas to bring up around that we kind of had to sign from one spe specific age group, mm. which kind of leaves us a little bit stuck now. Shane Sopel, you're obviously uh, reeling from the best jersey that never was in the League of Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that shambles. Um, shambles? Well, <laughs> was the jersey the a shambles or was the non-issue of the jersey a shambles? Yeah, I think it all was a bit of a shambles. The jersey itself wouldn't have been my cup of tea now, to be honest, but it was great publicity for the club, I suppose, to look at it that way. Um, and the way it's turned out now, we can't use the uh, the initial um, print, um, so we have to go down another route, which is disappointing, a bit of egg in the face for the club, I think as well um, which is, is not great but uh, it's got people talking 
Let's talk about the cup final because you could have been there and it must have been a bit frustrating that this big day comes along, 30,000 at it, biggest crowd since Shamrock Rovers, Sligo Rovers and Bowes aren't there. Yeah, it was disappointing, you know, with the run we went on and obviously taking Cork um, to the replay or them taking us to a replay. Um, the way it kind of finished, obviously that first leg, the whole controversy around the penalty, was it or wasn't it? Um, was it? I'll always say it wasn't, but... Uh, Not know. again, John. <laughs> uh, we'll never get the right answer or the answer we want, um, that we want. But, um, yeah, it was disappointing the way it kind of finished up that we didn't get to the cup final, at least. More to the point, though, you've lost Ian Morris and Dan Casey now, which was, um, that, like, considering the backbone of your defence, that's a hell of a hole to get over for next season. Yeah, I think we kind of, our form kicked on when we, we got Morrow in there alongside Dan Casey. And we started to get a bit more stability there. We stopped conceding goals. So it's uh, it's disappointing um, that we've lost the two guys. Ian, it's a great opportunity for him now to get his you know, foot in the ladder, the managerial side of things. And it's something he, he wants to do. And I think he'll be great at as well. Dan Casey, a young guy, you know, moved back from Sunderland. Opportunities for him to go to Cork and, you know, earn more money, play in Europe. It's something that, you know, Bowes can't offer, unfortunately, at the moment. So um, I can understand why he's done that. Um, would have liked him to stay. to be best to convince him to stay, but it wasn't to be. Is it demoralising? It is, because every year it's the same situation, you know, or rebuilding. I thought this year might be a little bit different. Lee's stayed um, on, obviously. Yeah, Dara was a big one, you know, because all the talk was that Dara was going to move on to somewhere, whether it was in, within the league or across the water. So he was the big one, and you're hoping once you get that done, and you know, others might follow suit and commit, but, you know, that didn't happen that way. I really looked look like it was compared to other years, but again, you lose JJ to Waterford and then, you know, the three boys, I think in the last five days or four days have, have moved on, Dan Bourne and Dan Casey and, and Morrow. So it is, it's frustrating, I'm sure. I know Keith's, you know, very frustrated at it. And it's just the same thing every year. And that's what Bose is, unfortunately, at the moment. I know that there's, there's been some kind of public meeting. I think, <coughs> I think there's like discussions about it, but there there, there seems to be sort of sp maybe split camps in, in terms of direction, or maybe that's overstating it. But there is a debate to be had with regard to like the club's recent history, and we've had Daniel Lambert on here speaking about that. Um, but there, is there a tipping point where you have a particularly bad winter again, where people are like, well, what? Yeah, what, I, I think there is. Here? It's getting to that point. You know, there's only so much I suppose the fans, you know, are prepared to take, and, and even players like you know that have been around the club for a long while. We, like we believe that we can kick on and, you know, improve and get into Europe, and you know, maybe not challenge for titles every year, but get into the top three or four, and you know, challenge for you know the cup finals. Obviously, we got close this year, but it, it is frustrating for the, the lads that are there that. You know, now the management, we, we know we could, you know, with a bit more help and support. And I know that behind the scenes, they're trying to do that, but I think we need to look at the model and a little bit and slightly adjust it. It's, it's great that we're members on and, and all that, and the atmosphere down in the club is fantastic, but, you know, we, we want to we wanna compete and, and try win trophies for the club again. And like latter half the season, you were nearly top three, top four in terms of form. Yeah, yeah, the last three months were unbelievable. It's, I think when we came back, there was only 13 league games left or something after the break, which is crazy. You know, obviously I spoke before about the, the front part of the season in the first half where the, the games were, were thrown in on top of each other. And it was a crazy schedule. Our form wasn't great at that stage when we went to, you know, Friday, Friday, second half of the season, our form picked up and we went on that great run and the, the two cup runs um, as well added to it. Um, so maybe there, there was something in that as well that we were able to prepare a bit better for those games. What did you make of the cup final, Joe? It was more open than I thought. Um, People seem to be saying, oh, this is a great <coughs> cup final. It wasn't really, it was just better than the other ones. Yeah, well, we've had so many cup finals. It was warmer as well, which yeah. helped. <laughs> um, but I thought them dock were sloppy, being honest with you. They weren't their usual self. I'm not sure like, there was a lot of talk of players carrying injuries into the game. Like Robbie Benson, although he'd done well, wasn't his usual self. He hadn't got that energy to get around. Then you kind of find out afterwards that he's probably played through, probably if it's, that's a late game, he doesn't play. Hoban obviously probably didn't train in the week up to Chris Shields had a couple of bits and pieces going on and it kind of showed a little bit I thought they were sloppy and Cork kind of used that as their momentum in the first half and they were a little bit more open than I thought Cork were? Yeah a little bit because I would have expected them I thought John when we looked at the teams he, he's left out Cummins and he's gone with Shepard up front correct me if I'm wrong I think Shep played up there last year in the final against them yeah. he's gone with Sadler and I think he needed to go with Sadler. You've mm. got to pick your best players in the cup final. I think he would have been in a little bit of trouble if they had lost and leaving him on the bench. And 
you know, it's not saying that they took the game to Dundalk, but they certainly said, right, listen, we're certainly going to try and win it rather than not lose it. And uh, I think in the end, just a little bit of quality that, that Dundalk have, obviously the likes of McElhenney and stuff like that, but Sean Gannon's cross was probably the difference, how good that cross was. Absolutely. You know, Paddy didn't even have to break stride. He's meeting that. Just on McElhenney, though, if McElhenney doesn't get that goal, I, I, I look back in the final, I've said he's had a fairly bang average final again, mm. and all of a sudden he gets mad at the match. And I'm like, he got a goal and he goes into the box. It's like, I don't think he did a particularly good game, to be honest. He said it himself, to be yeah. fair. He actually said, yeah. he, I think he was a bit embarrassed by the award. Yeah, to be, be fair, you would have given it to Benson, maybe, would you? Oh, well, I thought Benson, I mean, he actually said Gartland. I thought Benson was decent enough, but. Um, well, I, was you know, str- I was struggling, like, I, like when it was announced on over the intercom, I was struggling to, to kind of pick a Dundalk player. I thought they were just okay, mm. and that got them through. I thought the guy, McLaughlin, at the back for, for Cork was, was decent. I thought Conor McCormick had a good game. Um, but listen, you're generally going to give it to somebody who gets the winner or somebody that's on the winning team. And, you know, probably just about shade on the day. You made an interesting point there that John Caulfield played sadlier. If he hadn't played sadlier and they lost, that might have weighed on his mind. Do you think that's kind of like, well, I'm half satisfying the, the masses here in the sense of, because I have gotten criticism over not playing him in big games. So now if I play him and we lose, well, you were kind of, you've said it all along. What am I supposed to do? Well, he didn't pick him in the European games, which was probably everyone kind of criticising him on that fact. I just think he's their best player. And you have to pick your best player. And especially and the big games and he produced again I know it was a penalty but he scored four he goals scored every round of the competition every round of the competition first time and since 74 I think yeah. he's uh, listen he's he's probably the most talented player in the league I think being honest with you in the league yeah I think so Yeah, I think more so good. than McElhenney yeah I think so I do think so and I'd be surprised if he's still in this league next year I think he probably will go to the UK and I think John had to kind of pick him he's, he's their best player and it would have been a bit of a strange because I think if he didn't pick him Cummins probably plays and Shepard goes out wide and that's probably who would have been left out. I find the Cork thing fascinating now because they've made um, they're off again. two big signings yeah, straight away. Off. It's always um, like when the season is over, you know the pre-season has started when Cork are signing players yeah, every couple of days. Often in the same position. Yeah, I, I mean, it is it is a bit sort of... Uh, now, they are good like they are good signings. I mean, Dan Casey's a really good signing. I mean, you sign Dan Casey, you presume a couple of centre-halves are going to go. Because otherwise, John Caulfield was making the point about uh, the dog signing players they don't need. I think they only need Dan Casey if they think the people are going to be heading off. They could lose. And I think they probably are. I mean, uh, we'll see if Damien Delaney is under contract. I don't know, will he play on? Uh, you had a story linking... Um, um, Dun- but Doncaster were over watching McLaughlin, definitely. And they like him and they'll, they'll bid for him. But whether I think he, uh, since that story's come out, people in Cork are pointing out he's still in college. He's maybe finished in the summer. Maybe he stays for six more months. But certainly he's someone with a profile that will go. And, and they are talking about budget cuts as well. Um, and obviously one way to stave off that or to soften the blow of that is to sell a player. So I mean, how many League of Ireland clubs are in a position to refuse a six-figure bid from another club? You know, in England, maybe the Dundalk could think about it at the moment. But really, everyone else probably is probably going to be open to it so it's like Gary Comfort again another experienced player it's just interesting to see like are they are they signing players as part of a plan is this we've identified what we need and we're bringing them in or is it just there's a lot of players available let's get in there and get the best ones you because even said last winter it seemed, well he's, under, he's out of contract I mean it was Caulfield himself who said that most of the players out of contract might leave but he, he said one or two. Is that not stay. staggering? Like to leave Cork City because you're, you know, you're out of contract. Why are these players leaving? Like I just find that amazing that you know you could have um, sadly or probably go McNamee, Johnny Dunleavy. McNamee's gone. Yeah. Potentially um, Griffin, obviously. Um, I think Peter Cherry. Um, and then you look at some of the older guard in those positions um, may need a bit of competition at least. It's going to be a massive overhaul. But they've reached the end of a cycle. Like, mm. and I think they're back where they are. They lost the cup final in 2015. I they lost one 0 and after that was an end of an era game as well in the sense that quite a few players from that first sort of block moved on and actually that was the winter they signed Sean Maguire uh, I think they might have brought in Dooley around that time as well and they sort of strengthened and they sort of pushed on from there and had a good 2016 and then 2017 was the evolution this is the third year and it just feels like I mean we know what people know that there's been maybe some tensions with some of those players. It's certainly not a great relationship. And, they, he, and, and Caulfield said himself, I mean, he, he's speaking after a cup final about we need to build a team again. And like, that is the difference that, you know, Stephen Kenny and uh, Caulfield were brought into the big manager's room at the Aviva. And, Ken, and even just like the, the body language of the two, I mean, Kenny is not getting any questions. Like every other year, it's like, what's happening with Tell? What's happening with Horgan? What's happening with whoever, McMillan, McElhenney, whoever it might be? Uh, this year, he didn't face any single questions, whereas Caulfield, within half an hour of the game, is talking about, we need to build uh, a team. And sure enough, 
were off with the, like, the, the, the daily press releases. I mean, even last season, they barely won the league and McNamee, Barry, there was, seemed to be something going on every day. So they're reaching around, but we'll, we'll see if it's part of a, like, a coherent recruitment strategy or it's just a case of let's see who's out there and get them before someone else does, which is fine. But like, that's not, uh, you know, I'm not sure that's how you close the gap either. What's the cup final crowd, Shane, in your eyes? 30,000 plus. Um, I, th- I, I mean, the FBI mentioned that beforehand. I thought it was a bit optimistic. And however the tickets went out, it's a very good crowd. Yeah, it is a decent crowd. I was there the morning of it uh, for the, the PFI charity run that morning. And obviously the women's game was, was on at 12, I think, starting. And, and it was quite busy around the stadium. A lot of young kids... I don't know whether they drives around local clubs or schools there or whatever. There was promotions yeah. even around the country, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it seems that obviously that's, that has worked and has got the numbers in. So um, it's good how much of them are, are real fans of the of the league and supporters of the league. Who cares, um, I suppose, ultimately? Yeah, of course, yeah. And it, it wasn't the easiest game to sell, even though they were nominally the best two teams in the country. I'm not even sure they are anymore, but at the moment on the table they are. It wasn't, to me, it wasn't a great sell. I, I missed the game and I wasn't all that disappointed that they didn't go and that yeah, I'd seen I think else on. people who've watched the, the last three, whatever it was, cup finals between the two, they haven't been great games. And you remember I was in the last two, I didn't go into it, I didn't stay around for it this year. You couldn't watch face it. it this year? Yeah, probably a bit of that as well as obviously previous yeah. matches. Um, it would have been hard, like, yeah. Do you know, but um, haven't been great. So um, with, with the career you've had, how much would an FAI Cup final appearance have meant to you? Yeah, it would have been unbelievable, like, you know, I played an FBI Intermediate Cup, <laughs> Cup final with a Crumlin in the Aviva before I came back to play uh, with Bowles, you know, and it's, it's great, great days out, like, the finals are why well, you play football, you know, not just to obviously win leagues and that, but those Cups are, are great, and obviously playing the GEA, like, it's knockout competition, like, they're, they're great, exciting days, and, you know, the fans coming to the, it would have been great, obviously, for us, I would love them to see what it was like for the fans, really, you know, not for, for us, really, as players, or myself, personally, but for the whole, the club and the fans, um, it would have been nice to see what they would have brought to the, to the day. Has it been a good year for the league, lads? Go to your first chair, just in terms of, like, we are in a review mode, so we're sitting back and, you know, we always have to sort of put the, the last 12 months or so into context. Will this be remembered as like a, a really good League of Ireland season? It depends on where you're going to look at it. Like, if you're going to judge the whole package with European results and stuff like that, people are going to look at it and probably say no because of how fresh it was a couple of years ago with Dundalk. And it's almost like there's an expectancy now that when the champions or somebody from uh, you know, the, the Europa League, we're expecting them to get to these stages now. And that's, that's good. That's, that's the way the mindset should be. In relation to the league itself, Probably everyone barred on Dark and Cork need to be disappointed again that we haven't broke that that mould. I think that has to be the rest of our kind of... That's where we need to get to that. Because they have set the bar on Dark, have been extremely uh, positive in the way they're thinking. And Cork, in fairness to them, for, I know they get a lot of criticism. And, they and can't Jenny. be happy with their season, though, Jared. They were, they were hockeyed in Europe like by, in both no, legs. But and, and, and won nothing. The thing, the thing I find strange about Cork, this time last year I remember a press release saying that Cork were going full-time and they're going to pay 52 weeks. And I got a lot of positivity from that. I was saying, this is great. This is another club that's gone down this route. Six, eight weeks ago, not going to win the league. What couldn't it? Mm. So I was kind of saying, what kind of, what's the thinking behind this? Have they backed themselves to win the league every year to stay 52 weeks? Why even, why even announce that they're going to cut the budget? Like why, why, why? Well, I think it was a pub, I think it was a fans meeting where they, the the structure of the club is such. I know. I understand to, the way that works. You know, they have to they have to disclose that information. But I don't see. It's almost like it's going up and then it's it's dropping. Yeah, well, I think there's, what, there's I no think, balance to it. Yeah, like, it does I mean? appear that they did pump, you know, a fair yeah. bit of the Champions League surplus, which is fine. into the first team budget, and then they don't qualify for the Champions League and yeah. you pull back. And that, yeah, I think in terms of like portraying an image of yeah. sort of steady growth, it doesn't help. No, it doesn't. But Listen, Cork would be disappointed. Their, their aim was to win a league and win a cup. And there's no doubt about it. They've done it last season. They would have looked to do it again. Everyone else has barred Dundalks is probably might sneak a place in Europe, might win a cup. Dundalks is to win the league, win the cup as well. So we need to break that monopoly. The next clubs need to come in and break that monopoly in. It looks a long way off. Yeah, what do you think, Shane? Yeah, no, I'd agree with you in terms of looking at the league and how successful it was this year. And if you're looking at it purely in the Europe side of things, it's disappointing. You know, yeah. there are certain clubs that maybe will take and fans of clubs. 
obviously us for three months of the season it's been great and it's the last three months so it's, it's recent you know so you're looking back but the first few months were a drag you know they were so difficult for, for, for us personally um, as players and, and the fans definitely I think something needs to be done I don't know how we're going to bridge that gap because Dundalk are gone miles ahead of everyone they're streets ahead mm-hmm. do you know and I think the only way to do that is look at the European money and in some way that a percentage of it comes back to the clubs you know in some shape or form because we're not going to catch up or Bowles are never going to catch up I don't know clubs that have investment in that there is an opportunity maybe for them if they're clever and cute about how they go about their business and the players well, they sign You're fairly close to the you know situation at Dundalk would there be any kind of yearning or um, I suppose will for something like that to happen? I don't know Like, see we are coming to a situation where at the end of next season the clubs in theory are meant to take over partially yeah. running of the league with this new uh, you know this third party operation between FAI clubs and I do think it's a discussion that needs to be had yeah. like um I, it has been floated in the past, the concept of putting a percentage of European money. It's, it's not an ideal thing. Uh, I think if your investors coming in, you would say, well, this is a, this is a weird concept here. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's, you know, it, it's sort of driven from a number of things, like the fact that the prize money in the league isn't that good was slashed from what it was back in 2007, eight. Um, but I think we're, we're getting to the stage where we, we, we need to look at it. I mean, I look at the, okay, four clubs qualified for Europe this year. So take the four clubs below that. That's sort of the, the squeeze middle almost, you know. And okay, Bowes, the perception is that Bowes have had a good year. But unfortunately, you've now lost some players since yeah. the end of it. And the other three was Derry, Sligo Rovers and St. Pat's. All of whom have changed their managers uh, in the final weeks or you know, at the end of the season because they're deemed to have been a failure. Uh, and then what happens then? You try and invest to catch up. But there's no guarantee you're catching up because the other clubs are in a strong position. I, I, I think, you know, do you look at a Europa League playoff? I don't know. Is the, I mean, that's still putting, putting a bandage over the wound, really, rather than fixing it. Yeah. But at, the, at least come the end of the season that the clubs have finished fifth or sixth, if they're on a bit of a run, they have a chance to play for something. But that, it's not ideal. I think, I think you need to look at it. I don't know how you do it. Funding is needs it, to be sorted is out. It, is, it, is, you know, is it sort of like, a, a, even if it's a small percentage and it goes into a central pot that's used either for prize money or for, for other stuff? Um, well, I mean, how are they going to fund the marketing budget and all mm. these things when, mm. when this comes round? Like, I mean, you, you are still coming back to the basic fact that like, you know you need more uh, you know sponsorship and investment on top of that. But yeah, I, I think we're in danger. I, I I thought it was an enjoyable enough year. It wasn't as probably. Although last year's title race was very straightforward, the, the relegation aspect actually gave a real purpose mm. to a lot of mm. the, the run in last year. So people had something to play for. I think Dundalk's dominance is such now that there is a danger that they're just going to streak away and, and make it hard for the other clubs. You know, Shamrock Rovers are signing players. They announced seven of them during the FBI Cup Final, which was an interesting... Uh, during the Cup Final. During the Cup Final, yeah, which is interesting. I mean, maybe maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe they didn't find maybe it a very it was, entertaining Cup Final. Maybe it was just a coincidence. Send an email and like, said... I know they sent out the, the Gavin Bazuna one during the Bowes UEFA Youth League game recently. A couple of Bowes people thinking was that pointed. But uh, during the game... You know, what yeah. do you think? Like, I, normally, like you bury bad news, but what about burying good news as a strategy? <laughs> Bradley's like, comments like, on Dan Carroll were interesting. That he expects. I don't, I don't care. I didn't read the comments because yeah. the cup final was on. So, like, yeah. you're not going to get any coverage. Like, genuinely, if like you know, clubs need to sort of think about these things as well. I just thought that was petty. It's just yeah. an aside. But yeah. it was a, it was a, I, it was a I, I, I read it that evening. Um, but how far are Rovers off? Looking at the league table, they're going to judge that by points, aren't you? But I think they're probably they're closer than. Than the, the table. Their last, suggests. say, 13 games, whatever, they maybe yeah. won 10 of them or something. Listen, like they're that. slowly getting there. Mm. And they, 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 their defence was really good this year. Like, it's probably the other end of the pitch that, that caused them problems. And I'd say Stephen would have been really disappointed with the cup run as well, obviously going out to drop. That's a big thing, yeah. yeah that, that's, that, was the killer about, as well, like, that was the killer about putting yeah. out during the final. A lot of people were like, well, actually, you probably should be involved yeah. in this mm. game, really, you know. Well, Rovers would have brought a lot to a cup final as well. They've had a good season. I'd say they would have expected it to be a little bit closer point wise, but. I think they'll be closer um, than things suggest. They might be the ones that, well, they'd certainly back themselves to be the ones to break that monopoly next year. Well, they should be. But in theory, you're they probably really competing overs for a lot of players. You're in. Yeah, we're probably a little bit off in the, in the sense of, of budget boys. Like we've we've spoken to some players that have spoken to them, and we're just a little bit off off that, um, which is fine. That that's that's the way it is. That's what's the way it is with balls or us, and that's the way it is with us and, and Rovers. That's the way you know football works, but. You know, you've got to do you've got to do your work and on the training pitch and stuff like that and. You know, as, as Shane said, Dundalk are so far ahead. Now, I know people, I got a little bit of criticism when I said about Dundalk and Cork before from Cork fans, but 
I don't know, from players in the league and staff in the league, I think there's, it's chalk and cheese when you play them. There's always a sense that you can be corked on dock. There's, there's no weak links there at the moment. And when they're going to go out, they're going to sign players. Like, who did he sign that's going to improve that team? Mm. That's the thing. You I think I mean? Cork don't need to be looked at um, a bit like year zero when Sean Maguire left. That's when everything changed. Because when Sean Maguire was there, they were better than Dundalk. They actually were. Like, they had Dundalk somewhat. They had Dundalk's measure. And, and you've got to give it to them. They were very good in that time and they were very hard to defend against. Since then, they haven't been anywhere near it. And Caulfield hasn't replaced Sean Maguire. And I don't know how he could have replaced you, Sean you Maguire. You look at the, the league, look at Hoban, 29 goals. What's the next after him? Yeah, I'll give us a Sadlier got 15 in the end. Strikers are a dying breed. Where are, you know? where are they where for are the likes strikers? of Unless we get them outside, outside our league, mm. you know, and then how do they settle in and, you know, and buy into the, the culture in this country as well, like, you know, so it's it's a difficult one to get. And you're saying Sean Maguire, yeah, he was, and he's done so well over there, you know, and it's great to see that, but it's it's hard to, to replace these guys, you know. Yeah. My, my, my issue with looking back at the league is that um, it wasn't as competitive as it should have been, and we had the Bray situation, Limerick ended the season in a pretty bad way, but I'm looking at clubs like Pats and I'm looking at clubs like Sligo, we had Ger Little on, we spoke about their budget. How do you finance these clubs when there's no money really coming in apart from gate receipts, which you can't rely on, and you're looking for a potential run in Europe? So this league, to my mind, can't go anywhere until it's properly funded. This, this was a hard year for the league, and. Not only because of the weather, the weather was a bit of a freak in the mm. first few months. Um, but then you had obviously so many games, yeah. two games, you know, a week, you mightn't be at home for a few weeks. It just has to be, Slig- that has to be addressed. Sligo must have went for yeah, 40 days, yeah. 40, 50 mm. days. Mm. Crazy stuff, like, and that's something that probably wasn't, it's probably just overlooked, a simple something that was overlooked. But when it gets highlighted, it's a massive issue. And, but, it's not looked at though. Like that's the yeah, problem. It's yeah. not looked at. They don't no. care. Like that's what it feels like to us as players. They don't care about us. Well, you're you know? at the PFAI awards well, there's no on. Coming to that either. Like so, that says it all. You know. You're at the PFA, and I just I would find that as a player, I'd find that deeply insulting. Like yeah, absolutely. Even a tokenistic yeah. gesture would be better than nothing. Yeah, and it's like they're doing this it's despite us. Like you know, this fixtures, like the fixtures come out. Well, not yeah. they come out again, but the, the dates came out. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same. The dates. same dates. Yeah, and actually, I want to say something on that because even I um I sort of wrote a piece around that time pointing out, see, the, what I'm told that the issue is with the dates, it's the availability of the Aviva for the mm. cup final. So that, mm. And clubs, I don't think, are mad in the concept of starting back earlier, say, to stretch the season out. Now, I don't know how you would feel about that. It probably does push pre-season right into Christmas, yeah. and I can see how that could get yeah. messy. So, to me, the way to do it is to, to, is to go later. Mm. The problem you have is that in November, the rugby internationals are on mm. in the Aviva yeah. across sort of three successive weekends. So I'm at that point about next year, this is a complication. Until it was pointed out to me that, I think because of the Rugby World Cup, that I don't think there is going to be games in November mm, in, yeah. in the Aviva next year. So is that, would that have been a test case to just push it back by a couple of weeks? Now, if, if the price to pay in the longer term is that the pitch isn't that good for the cup final because there's been a game on there on the Saturday, OK, it's not ideal. And I don't know, is there anything in the terms of the relationship between the FAI and RFU that they don't want these sort of crossovers? Although, if I mean, the Irish international team are playing Northern Ireland there on Thursday, so yeah. there is like a crossover yeah. at the venue. Um, but that is one of the issues that's raised. It's, it is a, an issue, but I mean, I wondered like when the clubs are in control of things from 2019, or sorry, from 2020 onwards, as it seems, if this actually proceeds, which is a, a talking point in itself, well, they have the opportunity to make that decision, but will the clubs even agree themselves? I mean, this is the problem. Like, the first division How clubs will that work, Dan? Well, the How? first division clubs haven't played since... Uh, some of them haven't played since September. Yeah, yeah. last weekend, September. Mm. So We're about four weeks short. If you look mm. at... You, you talk about a six-week yeah. holiday for yeah. people, a six-week yeah. break, and then you have your six-week pre-season. That's what it should be, realistically. But we're probably four weeks too short. Now, yeah. we do have a, a players' break in between. Uh, a, a club, everyone, for everyone. And do you support that? Are you yeah, happy? Yeah, I, I, I support it heavily as a player. Yeah, I think it's important because of the way the league is, is, is done. Like. But I brought this point up in the show before. We don't cater for anything. We're getting more and more underage internationals now in playing 21s football, the likes of dairy players and stuff like that. We, our, our league is not structured for that. Games <laughs> are getting called off. No other league in, in the world is getting games called off. Air League is not taken as serious, you know, kind of yeah. way. And we are getting more and more very good young players, so 18, 19, 20, who are going to get capped. And that's then kicking games down the down That's really one of like the that. most encouraging things. When it's great. I know it was disappointing for Liam. His last game as past manager was being humbled at home by the Bows 19s, in effect. Yeah. But in a broader sense, there was an awful positive coming from that because you were just, you were looking at this, that it was like a team of young lads on, on pretty modest wages, obviously, who were coming through 
are, they have a lot of ability, like, and they could do that. And I, I think that's the future that these players are going to come through. Um, just, just broader though, on the first division, if you look at the teams, of the first division next season, you have Longford, uh, Shelburne, Bray Wanderers, uh, Limerick, Galway United, um, to name but five, Drogheda United, and the first division is still just so far lagging behind. It's like a twenty-seven games in the campaign, um, nearly a five-month off-season. Um, Some of the clubs probably want that. They probably do, but where are we going with that, Dan? Because I, I think it's, now is the time to look at it and say, where, how can we improve it or how can we make it more of a... Um, I think they've done a good job with the playoffs and all that. I think it was a good end to the campaign, but it still remains a backwater. I am... I don't know what you think, lads, and even you're already talking about lending out players. I think that's I, a massive positive. I don't think we can... The biggest, the biggest people that we need, we need to get all the stakeholders around. Yeah. And the biggest ones is the FEI, the PFEI. They're the biggest ones. They're the ones that represent the players, and they're the ones who run the league. Until we get that, I don't think we're going to move on anyway. Mm. And like I was a member of PFEI, still am for so long. The work that they do for the players is, is massive. It's huge. We need to be able to all get together put aside differences wherever that's going to be and somehow like see not going to awards and stuff like that that for me is not even a big deal I wouldn't care about that if someone from the FAI didn't come to it the biggest thing is actually caring about the players caring about the league more not throwing up from an awards ceremony is not a big deal for me why? I know they should be but, it, but it's symbolic it, it, of something yeah, else but though, it, it, it wouldn't bother yeah, me it's, like, yeah. it's, it, that's pettiness between what everything's going on at the moment the biggest thing for I don't me I think it's going to be better now if they're there you know what I mean it's more no. it's more, it's more does it yeah. mean the biggest thing for me is how do we fix these problems are we going to talk about the fixture problem is it going to be done now before the fixtures come out are we going to fix the first division problem how are we going to make sure that the season is extended what are we going to do about prize money are we going to speak about TV stuff can we get the government involved all that type of stuff that has to be done between the players body can we get the government involved so what, what could be done there well in every other country in the league in every country in the world the government invests in sport and we've got to say, well, what are they investing here? They're not investing anything into the league. Can they invest more in stadiums? Okay, Dublin City Council are getting involved now, and there's other. Yeah, you know, we have a way around. of developing. We have a way of sports funding in this country, which is yeah, pretty. You know, yeah, it's strange. Whereas the sports minister from all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, that's what, see what happens. But we can. We should all be able to get those pitches and nails for the last couple of years. Yeah, we should be able to get these bodies involved and say, listen, this is our industry. This is what we have. X amount of players have come from this into the league of Ireland. There's going to be more and more the way the league is going and the way opportunities for players to go over to the UK are why can't we get them sitting down and saying listen we need your help yeah because we did we got a couple of tweets and we're not you know on various sort of open end the topics one of them was if you could implement three it was Mark McGuinness who I think flew home from Sydney for the cup final which was impressive with the Dock fan if you could implement three achievable changes to help improve the league in 2019 what would they be well I'm guessing that from what we're saying that the fixtures yeah, is, is the probably, first one that, yeah, that, that, yeah. that comes across yeah. so Within the time frame that's there, is there any way? I mean, I assume that European week, like, that deal they did in the summer, yeah, yeah. that they just have to schedule that the four European teams play each other yeah, in yeah, that yeah, week, they can, which yeah. they actually were on the same fixture schedule this year. And if they have to play a Monday game yeah. in in May, then so be it, because they're getting they're 210 yeah, grand. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that would be one, right? Yeah. Anthony, else sort of spring to mind in the in the short term in the 2019 perspective in the short term obviously like you're looking at contracts for players and like their lads are out of contract now till start of January maybe even longer like like something needs to be done on that front like lads are signing on and stuff you know it's not it's not healthy you mm. know if you're talking about mental health and well-being and all this like we need to start looking after players better you know I think other other codes look after their players better than we do um, and this league and our domestic league like it's hard in the clubs though there's no, there's no funding change I know the clubs it yeah. is difficult in the clubs that's what I'm thinking our, our, our organisations our association like mm. I think it needs to come from there some leadership needs to come from there in some shape or form you know for that to show and you're going back again with the issues and all that and do they care and blah blah is it, is it a nuisance is it a whatever the league to them and it does appear to be um, to, to us as players to the, the more experienced players I suppose but young players coming in like, and they're looking at this, the behaviour of you can you know PFAI the the FAI and the situation that's going on there in relationships like it's not you know you're not giving them down good experiences down to these players. Well, the governing body and the players' representative body seem to be at absolute loggerheads at the moment. Yeah. From from what I can see, yeah. I can't see how that's healthy for anyone. No, it's not. And I, like again, obviously we're members of PFAI, and you can say that we're you know subjective in our views of this. Like, but they they want it. They've tried to you know to. Converse with the with the FAI to improve relationships, you know, in some shape or form. Um, they're doing their best and they want it. And I know Stephen McGuinness wants to do that. Like, you know, there's no it's no benefit to him, 
You know, he's in the same building as them. There's no benefit for him to have the relationship the way it is at the moment, you know? One of the things I know that the PFL do want to do is like it's a collective bargaining yeah. agreement, right? That's And I know I'm, I'm sort of broadly aware of some of the details of that without being hugely yeah. aware of the specifics, but like one of them is like a Premier Division, a minimum number of professionals per yeah. club, a minimum number of, you know, stuff about playing players in pre-season and stuff like that. But, I mean, I'm looking at the, the contrast that we come into the Premier Division next year, we'll have UCD there, who have mm -hmm. a slightly different structure. Uh, and may not ever be able to, although they've never presented any issues for the union as far as I know, yeah, but they're slightly yeah. different, right, yeah, as a yeah. setup. We've got Finn Harps coming in, I don't know what their facility is really mm -hmm. to abide with that. Like, so are we always going to grapple with this inequality then? Or, or how, do we, how do we get out of that cycle? Yeah, it is tricky because of the clubs and certain clubs, the way they're set up, you know, mm. and the finances, the resources they have, you know, and they're not going to like this, some of them, what we're saying, the CBA agreement um, that we're looking at you know, that they're going to have to be paying players more and more weeks of the year and all that. But the, like, the, we can help them with the fixtures. Like, you look at one week of the fixtures there at the start of the year. We played on a Friday night, there was 15,000 at all the games, right? Mm. We played on a Monday night, there was only 7,000 at games. Yeah. Do you know? And the Monday like, night games you, have to be... Um, if we have bad weather, if we got bad weather again in March, April next yeah. year, comparative to this year, yeah. the whole thing's, the know, whole thing's yeah. screwed. Mm. If, they, if they go along the same... Now, I think they will probably tweak it a bit. You'd hope so. But, like, yeah. it might, but when I saw the dates, I was a bit deflated. Yeah, but we, we ended up playing... We played, yeah. in a, we played Bray on a Friday, we played Sligo on a Monday and played Dundalk on a Friday. That was our last week of the season. And that was... We played all those games front-loaded. Um, the first part of the season. Trevor yeah. Crawley made a good point as well about that in the sense that you're not, it, it's actually hurting the product because the coaches can't actually do much. They're just like recover and prepare, yeah. but we can't do anything on the other team. In, in essence, we can't really train properly. Yeah, no. yeah, you can't. And no. you can have the argument that the likes of Dundalk and the Corks and that they're in Europe and they're in the same boat, you know, and they're able to do it or whatever. But um, like it did, it definitely affected, you know, us. And I can, it's easy for me to say because I was involved in it, you know. And, sure. Um, but it definitely did. With the difference, you know, and I know f f in terms of injuries as well. Like, look at your second half of the season. Like, yeah. what would you change there? I'd like to change the, f the night. I'd, I'd go Saturday evenings. Well, interesting because Julian Canny actually, um, yeah. he messaged in: Should live TV games be moved to time slots which don't cl clash with live games? For example, uh, live games played on Saturday at seven something. This actually struck me because there was. A, there was a live um, game in the Premier League, I think it was the last Sunday night. But the Saturday night slot is interesting because at least League of Ireland fans can then watch it. But you'd actually change more to Saturday nights. We, we played, I don't know why it was moved. Something on the Friday anyway was moved. We played balls and it was moved to half five. But I, I like that idea, like, you know. it was. Is that was, not was, changing the colour of a car with an engine problem though? Do you know what I mean? Like, well, you like to think Friday night, like, what are you going to bring your kids down? Seven-year-olds not getting home at half ten. Half five, there might be a different. Now, the, listen, we all know the facilities need to improve and stuff like that. But that's, that's half, such a I, massive issue. It is. It look, is. At, look at Oriel Park. But I, I'm look talking at about Inchicore. if I'm talking about for 2019 season, what can we change now? I would, for me personally, I would change your fixture times for a year and see that it work. Would that be collected? I mean, across the league. Yeah, and I, is that something Pats are thinking about? Or no, 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 it's not no. even that we're thinking about. No, for me personally, I would. I'd, I'd try it. Your crowds can't mm. physically get any works because you have your your hardcore fans all the time. I remember a couple of seasons ago, we were decimated with big Friday night games. We only played like three or four Friday night games for the whole season because of European and stuff like that. But your Rovers, your Dundalks, your Bowls, they're the ones that you need on a Friday night in Richmond Park. They were like Mondays and Tuesdays. You're getting half the types of the crowd, and that's big for the guy. Certainly away fans on a Saturday night would yeah. unquestionably yeah. be I think better. I think half five on a Friday, six o'clock, or, or sorry, on a Saturday, six o'clock on a Saturday, and try it. If it doesn't work, you just go back. To, mm. There's mm. no harm in trying it. You're not going to lose anything from it. What do you think, Dan, in terms of... Yeah, I don't know, but I like the... Uh, John Caulfield's made the point before. I, I actually quite like the idea of the TV game not clashing with... Um, like a Thursday night or not, Yeah, on a Thursday night or... or a Saturday In night, the summer, yeah. you can be more creative. I think the problem is... Uh, See, the problem with dates is there's times of the year with different sports. Like, if you went Saturday evening across the summer, well, actually, there's increasedly a lot more GA kind of games and the qualifiers or even some of the bigger games now with mm. TV. There are now on Saturday evenings. Mm. So you're a problem. Like, for example, the Bowes Cork Cup semi was six o'clock on a Sunday. Yeah. That was actually, that was great. Yeah. You know? and, and there wasn't actually any real opposition. I know a lot of people no, watched that. Yeah. Or it was 5.45 or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, the, the question is, do you need consistency across the year or not? Because I think in the summer... 
you can there's a certain way you could do things and you can experiment a small bit and possibly when you have that's also a way of uh, where teams are in Europe you're thinking about not calling off a fixture if you want to try a Sunday evening job or something it, but, but there is an element of you just shuffling things around looking for, Look at Bozo for solutions sorry I, the... I was going to say sorry the, the Thursday TV game I like that idea I have to say on a Thursday I think sometimes the Friday you'd have a big Friday TV game and a lot of people are other games at the time and a lot of the audience a lot of people could be responding to it and talking about it like that again the Cork Bowes uh, Cup replay the Ian Morris goal I, I know an unbelievable amount of people that were watching that game not to be bringing it up to like yeah, to, yeah. but you know there was a serious amount of people watching that game and also uh, because it was live on TV, something happened. It was packaged and it was almost sent around the world. Yeah, within, strategically, you yeah. have to pick the fixtures. You'd have I to think you'd have right to. Ones. You'd have to go Dublin. If you, you can't be a bringing Cork up to, no. can't be bringing Cork up to wherever to Tal on a Thursday evening. No, no. But I think you know, for a derby, for a, if you said, let's just try a Bowes Rovers game on a and, Thursday and evening. Market it. Let's try a Bowes Rovers game on a Thursday evening where it doesn't clash with Europa League or whatever. It, it just requires a bit of thought. Yeah. Like, that's basically what like what it's you're looking for. for. Like really, and it's it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least they're trying something different. Then we're trying to make you know, a change and, and make it better, but which just doesn't seem to be happening at the moment. You've got to laud Bowes because they've made Daily Mount's experience something that's unique in the league as far as I'm concerned. There is no vibe like going to Daily Mount at the moment. And I, 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 I like you, thought the jersey was a bit ridiculous, yeah. really, but it was marketing um, that we haven't really seen in the League of Ireland. Bob Marley's son even hailed the jersey, you know, as the dudest jersey he'd ever dopest. seen. Dopest. Dopest. Yeah. I, did, I didn't understand that. What the hell is dopest? What's yeah. dopest? <laughs> well, I, I, can see, I can see why dopest could come into slang. Dude, more than dudes. Yeah. Nick Lebowski, like, yeah. which I, I saw that. recently. But um, Bowes have just made a huge effort with that the club is in the community and, and nights at, at Daily Mail are some special. I do think clubs, other than Bowes, do need to look at how do we how do we make it a better night out? Because a lot of the games, the atmosphere is quite sterile, I find. There just isn't a, isn't a lot going I on. I think you've got to look at, obviously, us as well, though. We've got the three bars in, in the club as well underneath there, that which creates... It's Irish society summed yeah. up, but it is yeah. true. It does help, though, you <laughs> know, the atmosphere and the lads, you know. And the one stand is huge yeah, as well. I exactly, find that, yeah. well, I hadn't played there, like, you know, yeah. as well. Yeah. It, yeah. it oh. makes a huge difference. You don't have people scattered, like, a couple of hundred here, a couple yeah. of hundred. Everyone is tight and congested together, and yeah. it brings a good atmosphere. To I think Harps did some promotion for the playoff where you could order your pint before the game <laughs> in some local pubs, and you could wander down to it at half time. Again, it's like a grim reflection on Irish society. <laughs> oh, no. But it well, is. But it is. Why are rugby games so popular? Like, because people can have a beer at them. It's yeah. certainly a point. Like. No, it is true. I mean, and you, you are competing with entertainment options on a Friday yeah. evening. You're not always competing with sporting options. Mm, you're competing yeah. with what are you going to do for the evening? And, and, and that is part of the Bowes thing. That, and I, I put, this is sort of like flirting with the, the club, the dilemma over the club's direction that I know Daniel yeah. Lambert has spoken about. It's not always about the result. And like, that is true. But obviously, you know, you're also withstanding blows by losing players. So yeah. it's that balancing act. But what Bowes have done is take things into their own hands mm. as well. And of course, we all want the FAI to do more. And like, I believe passionately that yeah, they yeah. can. But the clubs could do yeah. stuff themselves too. you know, they yeah, they can they can be inventive, and you know, some of the people at Bowes there are doing it for nothing, you yeah, know. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and it's, there's there's actually about getting the right people and the right brains inside clubs, you know, because sometimes some of these clubs, whatever, they end up being a cabal that belonged to a couple of people yeah. and it hasn't changed for mm. a period of time. So mm. I think like we need to be creative as well in well, terms of redirection. We just we just I just want to reflect on Finn Harps. I mean, somebody who's very positive about everything. Obviously, Ollie Horgan. Um, <laughs> what a job he's done. You just got to say they start the season pretty wobbly, like a lot of other clubs, and they've pulled it out of the fire again. They got over Limerick in the playoffs yet again, and um, they're back in the big time. Ollie's already saying they get relegated um, <laughs> unless unless things change. Um, but yeah, granted, they they took on a Limerick team that was on a massive downward slide, but yeah. you got to hail them and. You know what it means to Finn Harps as well. The new stadium, hopefully, coming along the way. They've got, I've seen a couple of stats on Twitter over there. I've seen the one actually saying that he's the only man that can celebrate you know, are getting promoted well. and then straight away talk about being relegated <laughs> yeah. next season. Yeah, yeah. But I met him actually in uh, Abbottstown last preseason. Then preseason just gone, like, and uh, sure, of course, he's we'd be lucky to get top four, like you know. And but they've they've, he's, he's, they've always had good players up there. It's a tough place to go. And, you know, the likes of Mark Timlin and people like that, he signed well, you know what I mean? He did sign well and he got a serious, like I see in the stat, when they lost to UCD or something like that, they won 10 out of the last 14 or something crazy, 12, 11 mm -hmm. out of the last 14, something crazy, he went on a run, just, if it had been another few more weeks, he probably would have even pipped UCD. But, um, fair play to him, like, you know, they, 
the only thing is they keep yo-yoing up and down. He'll just want a couple of years and maybe. It's, it's very difficult. Like one one character gone was Kenny Shields, and I, I had mm. some sympathy for him, and it was. A bit like Liam Buckley, it, it wasn't an end befitting Liam Buckley's reign that it was like a kind of humbling at home to Bo's kids. And it wasn't a, an end that befitted what Kenny Shields had done for Derry because they were so bad against Pats, they'd given up. Mm. And um, I, I, I thought that was one of the saddest interviews I'd seen this season, his interview after the game, because he almost looked a broken man. It was probably, I, was, I went to the Bray game on the Monday night um, and they lost in the last minute. like. Um, it was probably, it's one of them where everyone's kind of waiting for it to happen. I think that's the way the players were and obviously you hear different stories coming out of the dressing rooms that something has gone on and stuff like that. And He probably knew deep down that that was probably going to be it and the players kind of knew deep down that that was going to be it as well. So, but I want to ask you as a prospective coach, is that something that would terrify you that you've lost the dressing room if, if that did happen and you're basically a dead man walking and you're just waiting, waiting, for, your, waiting for your sentence basically at that stage and that must, be, that must be so hard as a professional but as a human being what he's gone through um, and he's, his name is kind of almost sullied now as a manager because of how it ended up in Derry where they've basically just completely given up. I think I've been lucky enough that I've never even played that I don't think I've ever been in the dressing room where a manager where the players have down tools. And players don't go around saying, oh, we're going to down tools for the manager. I don't, it, that just doesn't happen. Football has a, has a strange way of kind of kicking people, you know, in, in the wrong places. And unfortunately for Kenny, it's probably has just seemed that one or two big personalities in the dressing room um, had kind of, whatever way, did, there was a falling out. And, you know, it, it just looked like they had won the cup and, that was it, they're not going to get you. It's the end of it. So, again, though, like, it know. is that challenge for those mid-table teams that what do you do? If yeah. you can't catch up, you go backwards. Yeah. Well, that's sort of like, that's sort of what, uh, like Derry were in Europe even, yeah, which is sort of third last. And I mean, they had a dreadful season, but I mean, realistically, should they have finished in the top three either? They probably no, don't have to, they keep losing players last, no. as well. So and, and it's a bit like what you were saying, like, where do they go? Yeah. You know, where, what where do they actually go? There about them, I don't think it's sullied. I've seen a lot of things, Derry fans on social media saying, I'm delighted he's gone and stuff like that. You've got to remember, that man was the face of the club through the really, really difficult times and I thought he held himself with unbelievable respect and dignity the way he handled the whole situation with, with uh, Ryan McBride and stuff like that. He really did, he was a proper leader, he got them into Europe and stuff like that and as Dan said, it's not like he's doing it on a huge budget. His best players are leaving every year. Mm. You know, he's trying to replace them. Okay, some of the signings were very questionable and stuff like that but these things happen in football. Like, if I was a Derry fan now, I would be certainly saying, okay, maybe it's the right time he goes but I'll be certain he wouldn't be speaking a bad word about it. Yeah, and, and also, like I spoke with posts and pre Sean Maguire, like posts and pre um, his debts, like for Derry City, like they were, they, he was their leader, he was their defender, defensive lion. Um, getting to Bowes, Keith Long staying on, it's just, I know you've lost players, but that's huge. Yeah, it is massive for the club, and obviously the length he's agreed to stay on for as well is great, and it's unheard of, I think, in, in Bowes as well, you know, so to have him and Trevor commit. You were just a bit frustrated then that, in, in light of that, you've lost key players straight away. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's like, with you yourself staying on, when you could clearly move as well. It's, fr it's frustrating that, you know, again, it's just the same thing every year. You know, it was easy last year, and obviously Warren O'Hara moved on to the UK with Fudd as well. And the year before that was Bucco and Pico moved, you know, as well. So it's... It's every year the, the big players are, are kind of are, are leaving and you're trying to find a gem somewhere. Um, you have you a know. few in the 19s. Yeah, there are a few. Whether they're, they're ready to completely step up on a consistent basis, but there are lads who have stepped in this year for us and, and done unbelievably well. Like the likes of Andy Lyons has been great cover for, for death. Derek Pender, when he's, uh, when he's been out. Um, obviously, Danny Grant has played a part as well this year in a lot of games um, out wide. And Ali Regba has come on the scene now, obviously, against Pats. He, he kind of burst onto it, really, um, getting the two goals out there that day. Um, and there's other lads there. Um, but they're, whether they're ready or not, um, to consistently step up, um, I don't, I don't know. Um, we just need to find some lads who may be coming back from the UK or, you know, in around the league that, you know, the likes of Dundalk and these clubs are maybe um, don't need at the moment that we can we can get on loan like Jerry saying obviously about sending their players out on loan to first division. Like, that's what we have to look at, unfortunately. And you never know digging in amongst the group, you might have a, a little gem. We had a few other tweets as well. Has Johnny made a U-turn on his Dundalk opinion yet? Says Brian Kevin. <laughs> Actually, you had a U-turn the first week of the season. You changed your league prediction after the President's Cup. 
that was a mistake. Yeah, I, I, I did find it hard to call. Um, I thought... I, I thought Cork were very good going forward in the Presidents' Cup. Particularly Sadio played very well, but even though he got on team the season, um, I don't think he'll reflect on this season with 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 great kind of um, satisfaction. I think he could have been a lot better. Cork's problems, I suppose. Garrett Morrissey was injured. McCormick probably didn't have a great season, and um, Damien Delaney came in, and things didn't happen for him. Um, just things things were disappointing for Cork. They were still bang there with sort of. Have you met a U-turn on your dark opinion that though? Yeah. <laughs> I've, I haven't. Be, I still am completely well with them. I don't think they've been challenged. I think they're vulnerable. And you look at them on Sunday. I didn't think they were great. Um, but isn't it sort of damning in a strange way that they possibly they're a bit sloppy so and they I, won and they won the double? Can I ask Johnny where they're vulnerable? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, Johnny, you could get a gig out of this. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you looked at them in Europe, I oh, thought you can't. You have to stop. Go back to that Even European in, game. In Europe, their midfield was overrun before Sean Maguire left. I don't think Dundalk are that much better now. I think Hoban's made a difference. Um, but I think if you get at their back four. Um, I know they haven't they haven't actually conceded that many goals, but nineteen, I think. Is it? Yeah, I I still I still I haven't re, I still haven't been completely wowed by them. I think they've been much the best team in the league. But you look at Shamrock Rovers, who for half the season were way below their best in this sort out their keeper problem. Cork did not have a good season. Uh, Watford finished fourth despite getting promoted. Derry had a shocker of a season. So I'm wondering where they were really challenged. Um, but the problem is that they got 87 points. Mm. If they got 87 points without maybe hitting top form, then that's worrying for the others. What have you made of them? Do you, you know, I, I, think, I think they're getting back to... I don't think they are where they were in 2016, but I think there's a chance they might be back to it next year. Mm. I think like it's it, purely because they're not, they're not actually facing upheaval this winter like they have in every other year. Um, and one of the questions was, Sports Strategy Ireland... Um, what must the dock build on for next season to return to Europe? Now, we touched on this earlier. Like, where do they actually strengthen? One thing, hopefully, they'll have Stephen O'Donnell back. So, like, in terms of Europe, he's absolutely vital. Um, he was missing for those games this year when they did miss him, and their midfield was poor, really. Well, he also, in, in he also I think games. he played Connolly and Duffy as two wingers as in you, Cyprus. Yeah. I don't think he'll do that again. Sean mm. Gannon missed the games, and they didn't rush McElhenney mm. back. Like, it was a bad day, but he's I don't not, think it was He's not going to make priority. widespread changes, though, I think. Um, no. I where, don't, where are these players I, I don't in? know. This is the thing. I mean, like, Aaron McIniff is, ava- you know, well, potentially available. They've tried outside the league <laughs> before. Maybe they'll go into that market again. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Like, you, you think with the, the, the new owners, effectively, weren't there last winter they were in negotiations and they had a couple of weeks so actually they haven't put any money into the club yet at all really other than what they've done to sort of sub, you know to offer these new contracts to people uh, some of them are like two three year extensions which is I, I think it must be ter- you know, not terrifying is a bit strong but demoralising for other clubs in a way to see that um, but I don't know where, where can they strengthen lads like, I, I'm sort of grasping to think where it might be I mean, they, they signed Georgie Kelly mm. So I assume he'll be peaking after a full pre-season with them as well. I don't know. Looking at around the league and who there is for them to get within the league, if they're if they're looking outside, I think Stevie's obviously had his injury problems and in that. You know, um, talk maybe he'd be going to continue or not, or would he go into management? You know, you'd be worried probably a little bit with Stevie if he if if he's to stay on. How? Listen, he's the most reliable player, but in terms of the injuries, you know, They'd as have well, to manage him. do you need to you know get someone in that in that position? Um, yeah. Out, out, Wide right, maybe on the right hand side, maybe is a, is another area they might they, they might look to. But other than that, like you look at that team, and again, mm. why they've been so good and consistent is because of the stability in the team. You look at Rogers being around, Gannon's been around, Gartland, um, obviously Stevie's been there, Chris Shields. And you counter that by the fact that if these lads aren't playing well, they've they have two players really for every position. Yeah, they do. I should also say that like my my comment about the dog, since McLean's come back in, they have been better. You know they've 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 he's brought them on again because of that quality he has. But um, Chris Blake as well uh, tweeted in. How do you think UCD will get on the ten team Premier Division? Do you know much about them, Jer? Yeah, we've got to see them a couple of times this season. Um, they've got a, a lot of really good young players. And in fairness, when they lost Georgie Kelly, I actually thought they'd struggle. I didn't see where the goals were going to come, but you know they just went and and got Connor Davis in, and, and all of a sudden he got a couple of key goals as well. So. Collie's done a great job there. He's uh, he's earned the stripes. He's been around for a long time as assistant and, and now manager. So it's good to see. Uh, it's good to see them. And to be honest with you, I, I always enjoy going out to UCD. You know what I mean? It's not a fantastic stadium or anything like that. But it's Dublin Four as well. It's very, It's another Dublin club. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, people forget as well. Like they had a real chance of of beating Dundalk if if. 
that decision was made that clearly should have clearly been sent off. It was like, you know, the decision that knocked Bowes sort of out of the cup, which was so conscientious. People forget that in the first half, they should have been one man up against Dundalk and they were good football inside. So these little margins, I think they'll bring a lot to the Premier Division. Um, I think it'll be an, an exciting Premier Division next season, but unfortunately at the moment, I just can't see, unless Rovers pull two or three major signings out of the bag um, I don't see it and that, that's just the worry with next season we don't want it to be one horse race you know and no no I mean like Waterford have they were a good story of the season as well like we haven't mentioned them at all mm. I think it's probably forgotten because they amassed so many of their points in yeah. that first mm. part of the season yeah. then they had all those changes the halfway through and they nearly fell over the line a small bit at the end but I mean they had they, had, they are the ones who it was their emergence that probably did for the managers that lost their jobs almost yeah, to the clubs yeah. below because they've come into it. Yeah, at the same time, they finished the season with two or three players in contract. So that's not, I think we said this that's last week, that's not a model to, to challenge. You know, to say now that Waterford are going to, who are only starting to sign players now, are going to bridge the gap on, on, on the dock and Cork. It's probably not. I think you'll probably see them yeah. bring in more from the UK as well. I'd that say it'd be seems a to be the chance. Yeah. As I've heard, obviously, the last few days that a lot of their key players might be leaving. You know what I mean? Who who played a big part in in this season for them? So I'd expect them to to go kind of outside. Do we the do we need more non-Irish players in the league? It was something that Bastian Airy alluded to um, a couple of weeks ago. He's trying to attract them. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're not cheap, and especially if they're going to come to Dublin, the cost of accommodation in Dublin. Unless you have somebody from the club that can take them in, or you somehow have a house somewhere sitting around. But I know Rovers have a situation where you have about six or seven, maybe even eight players in a house. And that just saves on it, and that's that's the beauty of it. That remember we had a Rovers player, I couldn't even remember who he lived with. He started listing, listing. Yeah. He got through the first four I or remember, five. I think you're back in college. Who's <laughs> that lad upstairs again? Yeah. Yeah. Drinking Dutch <laughs> gold, like Dinny. Like but no, it is. There's a cost to it that the clubs would probably find difficult. But I think we'd all welcome. Uh, players, you know, down through the years, some of the best players that I played in the league have, have come mm. from outside. We, we get slagged that we don't discuss the first division enough, um, which is probably a fair point that no, I don't think either of us gets it just has the opportunity to get to games. But the Shelburne situation is interesting now because obviously Tim Clancy was very close getting that job, didn't get it. Ian Morris has gone in, and how is that going to work out? I remember, did we have him on the pod or we were going to get him on the podcast, and he was just flat out on the phone all day because yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. you for jobs with the, the underage and that. But he looks like he's made for management, if nothing else. Yeah, I think he definitely is. You know, um, he's young, obviously, and people be looking at it. Is it too early for him? And is it a risk taken? I don't think it is, personally. I think they have some good people in around the club that will help him and mentor him um, as well in, the, in, in that position. But I think he'd be brilliant at the job. He's a massive loss to Bowes and a massive leader in the dressing room for us, unfortunately. But um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how he gets on. And I think he'll do well and I think he'll have a great career in management. Yeah, um, what do you make the first division next season? It's going to be deeply competitive, and you yeah, look at Go United and Shells are yeah, there's some two big, sleeping there's giants. Some, yeah, there's some big clubs in them. And uh, funny enough, I was only talking tomorrow this morning. He'd be a good friend of mine, and I'm delighted he's getting it. Like you know, like that's the way some of the clubs, Rovers, have gone with, with Bradser, and and obviously Drotted went with Tim like that, and now Shells have have gone with. And that's what we want as as kind of young coaches to be given opportunities. And actually, I, I want to just cut across there because I spoke to a player about this recently. The the need to have your pro license to mm. um, actually manage in the Premier Division, and the pro license can take good, the guts of two years and is extremely expensive as well. Mm. Is that a good or a bad thing? It's changed now. So mm. you have to have your pro license. Now, Can't yeah. be enrolled on the course. On it. So I, I begin mine now on the tenth of of December. So I can't take a job in. I could take him in the fourth division. I can't take him in the Premier Division. So, but whereas the last course two years ago, I would have been able to take a once job once you run it. Yeah. Once you the run other, it. the slight issue with that is someone. If the guys in the first division who don't have one get promoted, they're not able to be well, in charge if they well, get to up. To be honest with you, this is coming yeah. back to what Shane was saying earlier. I, I spoke to a couple of coaches in the first division when this all came out. We seen it in the licensing pack which came into the club a couple of weeks ago. We didn't know about it. So, and this was right just the end of the pro license deadline to apply for it. So, some of these guys I was speaking to were saying, well, if I hadn't known that, I would have applied for it. Mm. So now. Greatest league in the world. And the playoffs were still going on at this stage. So, if they had won the playoffs, they would, promoted, been, they would have been like, well, I have to hire a pro license coach to work with me now. Mm. And Is it get Bobby Brown in the blower? I know, I think it's a good thing. I do think it's a good thing. I think it's very difficult to be able to put that much time and effort into these courses. They're tough courses, like, no matter what you do, you want to do them properly. And I don't think you'd be able to certainly manage a football club as well as you 
as well as you can if you have all this stuff going on. So for me, I'm in no rush anyway. I, I want to do my pro license, do it properly and spend a lot of time learning over the next few seasons. Did you enjoy your brief stint in charge of St. Patrick's Athletic, in which you made two key signings as well? It was kind of like, yeah. while I'm here, I might as well get busy. That's it, might as well sign them. No, it was really good, obviously. Nearly beat Dundalk. Yeah, nearly mm. beat Dundalk. Um, and obviously, that would have been would have been nice to spoil that party that night, but... In fairness, the players were really good, and it just it really depends on what's at your disposal. And they kind of bought into the last few weeks. We explained what we were looking to do, and the staff are really good with me. And the only blip was the Rovers when we kind of just ran out of steam the last 15, 20 minutes. Still to this day, can't put my finger on why that happened. Um, but we we finished really well, four 0 down in Limerick and, and five 0 against Derry. So we the the best I could have done was finish fifth, and that's what we managed to do. Like you know. I think we're coming to the end of the show. Um, we need to try, can we find an upbeat note to finish? Yeah, on? I, I guess, I guess there are a lot of positives. <laughs> we, we, we've come on out. We've, I think we've constantly depressed Shane across the show. <laughs> yeah. I think we went back on the Bose departures for a second time. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. Stephen Kenny was was talking recently about the fact that we're so almost like a pre kind of colonial subject. We're we're just fascinated by England. It's all about England. But against that, you kind of look at the players that have gone over there at the moment, and uh, most of them are kind of struggling. Like you know, none of them, very few of them, is actually are actually making an impact. But did you the broad kernel of what he was saying was it right, Shane? In that, McElhenney, even referenced by um, Martin O'Neill this week, well, he kind of struggled in, in League One. Yeah, I, I don't think you can look at it like that. You know, and the top about Pat Huben as well over there, and he's struggling, and what he's done now. Like you got to look at it a different way, and the environment that they're in over there, the, the system they're playing in. You know. Where they're living, all this stuff comes into it. You People know. talk about that, the environment and the system. Like, what are you actually referring to there? For yeah, fair, referring into where he's living. Like, if he's in digs, in the areas, in if he's in Birmingham, Liverpool, Manchester, what kind of areas? And has he got his family around them? You know, what are the players like at the club? What are the management? What are the management styles like? You know, how do they manage the team, the players? All this comes into it, which you don't look at. You know, and you guys as pundits or whatever, you know. I, you know, you you don't. I don't think we look at it properly, or we give the information to the people that this is actually what happens in this bubble yeah. and how it happens. They just see the player going out on the pitch. Do you know, they don't see the other stuff behind it all. You know, and you look at Pat. He's in. He seems happy. You know, on the pitch and often playing against them. Like you know, the work he puts in. He looks happy on the pitch. You know, it's and not obviously, black and white. yeah, it's not, yeah, mm. it's, it's not. It's funny though. I think that it is, isn't it? That Martin O'Neill seems to view it as that black yeah, and white. Yeah, but I think well, maybe that's old school mentality. Like, coming from that environment himself. Yeah, he's just picking a player. But I think his view is. I think Martin O'Neill's thing is because he succeeded as a player himself. That I think anyone who's maybe struggled a small bit, he doesn't. Fully, and I think he has been more open to looking at League of Ireland players than, than his sort of predecessors. But I, I find it interesting, like Graham Burke was brought in, Daryl Horgan was brought in, and okay, Burke hasn't played, fair enough. Mm. But so did he bring them in because he liked them and rated them as players? Uh, so then would you not stick with them in your squads in the autumn or yeah, what, what, yeah, yeah. what was the thinking behind bringing them in and yeah he, I think, said, he said he picked Duffy didn't he over, yeah I think past, Duffy probably will I think Duffy year, will be picked yeah. I think he likes yeah. Duffy I think he but, likes Duffy but those, those comments that, that Stephen made and I read them and Shane will probably know this as well because involvement with underage stuff it's the mentality that this country has the parents the young players, I'm talking about 12, 13, 14, 15 But it's like indoctrination. It's from you when you're no, a kid. But it's yeah. flooded onto us. Yeah. It's flooded. It's all the you kids are saying. You can't escape that, really. Like, you ask a kid in the school, who's your favourite player? He's going to say an English player. He's not going to say or, or Shane Supple or Christy Fagan or Conan Bourne. They're just not going to say that. They're going to mm. say, that's who my favourite player is because it's a wash with them. And until we get that out, like, the difficulties that I face on a day-to-day -day basis... Agents ringing me about fourteen-year-old kids. I was going to say, what's going to happen to your fifteen? Your fifteens double the double winners of Pats. Well, what we happens have, to them? There's about eight or nine of them going away in in the next few weeks, and like you can't turn around to a parent and say you shouldn't really go on this. You know, we've had a long season and stuff like that because you'd be the worst in the world. And then the other club are going to say, ah, we'll take you. You yeah. can go. We've got Kyle Conway, who's only an under-16 international, but is now in Colin O'Brien's under-17 international squad. So him and Troy would be the only two in the underage who are actually playing over. We've got a couple in the 17s with him. We've got three or four in the 16s. We've got a couple in the 15s. There's just nothing for them. The club are going to... We're going to have to try and keep working with them in gym programmes and stuff like that because there's nothing for them now. And this is mm -hmm. a busy How time. How would you advise them, Shane? In terms of going away to the UK? It depends. Like I, I just don't think the standard is as high as it was in the past. And lads are going away at the contracts and two-year scholarships. 
uh, and they're back home at 18 and they've sacrificed their leaving cert and all that, you know. I went away at 15, you know, and wild horses wouldn't stop me going away. I was lucky enough to have a pro, pro contract on the table though, you know. Um, and it's, it's, it is hard to stop these lads, but with obviously the structures in now, underage in the country, I think it is going to be better for lads to continue here, finish out their education, and then if they're still good enough or still, you know, go across then. But the way it's gone now, and I see some of the lads going across, they wouldn't have even got into no. you know, an international team or even a, a DDSL school, one of the top school boy clubs, going, you know. Who's going to Liverpool's and Arsenal? Yeah, they're not going anywhere. The guys going low, the argument would be the guys going there yeah. just filling numbers. They're, 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 sort of, they're a free yeah, yeah, shot, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, and yeah. there's no compensation being paid for them either. So no, those, the clubs are not going to stop them, really, because the parents are going to get involved or they're going to go to the papers or whatever they say. He's stopping yeah. my that, from that comes yeah, right back know. around to Stephen then. Yeah. We that's, are going, that's the we, mentality. We are right. going to wrap up, yes or no, is he a good fit for the Ireland job at some stage? Uh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, what are you looking forward to next year, I suppose, one thing in terms of your, I guess your own <sighs> perspective of the League of Ireland? Start with you, Dan. Actually. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how they get on in Europe, actually. But that, but again, like that's probably bad news for the pack if they go well. But I actually am interested to see how they'll do in the Champions League because I think... It's all more likely it, it, well, it in, yeah, more likely, but it's it's sort of interwoven with Stephen's situation because who knows where the national team are going to be next year. But I think if he has one really one really good more European campaign, Watford as well could do quite well in Europe. You know, you're looking at them. What? Well, I'm not sure. I don't <laughs> know. Where you, I don't know where you get that from. They've got four players. If, if, if they kick on, if I they find some players, yeah. they might do well in Europe. I mean, that's not a good discussion to be having. Now, I'm, I'll be looking to the other two, Cork and Rovers. I think Waterford. They need to sign some players before we can start talking about the European campaign. Shane, looking forward to playing Rovers next year again. I think yeah, after this year. So yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm. Anyway, you're, you're due a defeat against Rovers at some stage, surely. Like you know, I know it's been good. Like you know, yeah. those those trips and it's been great for the fans. But uh, now, hopefully, we can. Rebuild obviously again and try build on what we did this year and, and the, especially the back end of this season. And if we could challenge for for a European position, that would be a, a successful season for us. And your media bands were successful as well. Yeah, I think they were. Do you yeah. not agree? Bringing in the Gaelic games into um, <laughs> Ger. Yeah, just we're, we're kind of a, a new model now, weren't we? We're Harry there, so it's kind of just seeing how his, his ideas work and. And um, obviously we need to make some more signings as well, so I imagine it'll be still a busy off-season ahead. I'm like Dan, I'm looking forward to the European Games and looking forward to watching a very competitive First Division, which I hope I hope the goals will be on Soccer Republic, actually. Um, I just think it's been overlooked. There's a lot of talent there. Um, Dylan McGlade would be particularly vociferous about it on, uh, on uh, <laughs> so Twitter. I'm not sure if I want some of the grounds on it, though. But yeah, but it is what it is. We watched, we, we were in Iceland, we watched like highlights of games that were in the middle of the sea, basically. It didn't matter, at least they're showing them, you know. Um, mm. It is what it is. Um, lads, thanks a million for coming in. Um, this must be your... 33rd appearance. That, yeah, yeah um, but you've been you've been on a fair few times as yeah, well. I wouldn't be far behind, probably. Yeah. We're, sorry, we are filming some of this today, so this is the thing. People might be watching this. We, we had to get the creme de la Monte del Yeah, because you, 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 you turned up in a tracksuit. In a new and short. Now I have a Gucci shirt. That shirt is not yours. Yeah. Because people are like. Connor Morris, I'm bringing it home. Listeners, like that Johnny guy I've been listening to actually dresses really well. Now you mm. came in with a hoodie on. And you basically just decided you, you just pulled that out of the air, the air facilities here. Yeah. If you we, see Johnny wearing this shirt around town the next couple of days, you know. What's yeah. Night. yeah. I forgot my hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're at Podcast Republic, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, at LY Weekly on Twitter, and don't be afraid to give us a few reviews as well. And we're in a social association with uh, independent.e and airsport thanks very much for listening over the course of the two seasons and we'll have a lot to talk about uh, next season uh, as well and we should talk to you then but there are